Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here, uh, riding solo tonight for a post-game pod. Uh, this West Coast road trip, man, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm struggling to grab anyone that wants to talk to me for some reason at 1 o'clock in the morning Central Time, but I am here solo, and that's fine because there is plenty to talk about from the Bucks and Warriors game. Milwaukee go down 122 to 121 in, again, what has to be called a wasted opportunity we're going to dive right into it but today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories it's only worth it if you enjoy it stay tuned for the ultra player of the week coming up later in the episode but I did describe this as a wasted opportunity and I think that that is fair to say the Bucks on a Drew Holiday three-point shot go up 116 to 106 with four minutes left in this game. And then from that point on, they're outscored uh, 16 to 5. And the offense created. They weren't able to score. And quite simply, they weren't able to slow down Steph Curry either, who had 41 points in this one. Now, when we talk about wasted opportunities, it's not just tonight. And it's not just this game that it hurts the Bucks. So now, with that loss, all of a sudden... Uh, after climbing back to within a game of the number one seed, they're back down two and a half games. Now, we've discussed this a lot over the course of the last few weeks, and it, it doesn't really matter in terms of slipping out of third. They're not going to slip out of third. There's, that's not a, a fear at this point. They're going to finish in the top three seeds, but you really did want to give yourself the best opportunity to get that first seed and avoid either Brooklyn or Philadelphia in the second round. So the Bucks are on a collision course with one of those teams in the second round. And Frank did tweet this after the game, and he's not with me. So let's include Frank in the podcast here. He says, Bucks blow a 10-point fourth-quarter lead in consecutive games, and this time it comes back to haunt them, dropping them 2.5 games back of both Philly and Brooklyn. Still a ways to go with two game sets coming up against both, but I don't like their odds of making it out of the second round as a three-seed. Uh, keeping in mind that if you're the three-seed, obviously – you're not going to have home court advantage in that second round either. So it is significant. And I, and I you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I've spoke about this at length. I think that Brooklyn clearly are the scary team right now. And if they get healthy, which now James Harden has a hamstring issue, if they get healthy, clearly they're going to be a scary team. Uh, we'll see whether that's going to be the case. And the Bucks have their own health concerns of their own. But, you know, we spoke about the fact that Milwaukee surviving that game against Sacramento was... Uh, you know, uh, just really fortunate because they need to keep racking up these wins against teams they should beat. And the Warriors, despite the fact that Steph Curry went off, the Warriors are one of those teams that qualify. They're one of the teams that if you're Milwaukee, uh, you should be handling. You've got to handle your business there, even if you do get 40 points out of Steph Curry. So, yeah, this is this is going to be one that the, the Bucks are going to rue. Uh, they had a chance with seven seconds left. They had an out-of-bounds play there. And it was funny because I, I saw a couple of people on Twitter comment that the Bucks and Bud really need to get better at their out-of-timeout plays. But, I mean, that's not really the case. I mean, we've seen Milwaukee 
endlessly come up with beautiful sets out of timeouts and beautiful sets to start the game. Time and time again, they find easy baskets. But a lot of the times what we've seen late in games is that they just haven't been able to execute the simple stuff. And tonight, it was an easy pass for Chris Milton, and he blew it. And he said it after the game. He admitted himself when he was asked about what went wrong in that play. He said, it was just a bad pass by me. I messed it up. And he was asked, well, was it the Warriors' pressure? Did something contribute to the pass? And he said, no, no, there's no excuses. It was just me. Uh, Overall, that kind of was the trend of the night. If you're Milwaukee, it was a sloppy, sloppy night for the Bucs. Uh, 14 turnovers overall, five to Chris Milton and eight to Drew Holiday. 13 turnovers between Chris and Drew tonight is certainly a disappointing number. And it's a real shame because both of those guys overall were excellent. Chris Milton, 10 for 19 from the floor, two for four from three, six for six from the free throw line. He added seven assists with his 28 points and Drew Holiday continues his scoring binge with 29 points on 11 for 18 shooting and four for seven from three. So both of those guys really carried the offense, which is what you want to see from those two players. But time and time again, just poor turnovers, unnecessary turnovers. Drew Holiday, just really surprisingly sloppy tonight. He hasn't been like that all season long. So it was a shame that it did happen on this night overall. And then Chris, at times we know can be a little bit loose with the ball, but there was a couple of passes, particularly late when he was trying to get the ball into Brook that he really just telegraphed it. And it was obvious that the pass was going to be able to come and it was turned over. So overall, those two guys, like I said, carried the scoring for the Bucks, But unfortunately, uh, they also, when you, when you are the two-star players in your team with no Giannis, you carry that responsibility. And unfortunately, um, they were just a little bit loose and a little bit sloppy with the ball here tonight. Certainly something of note was Brook Lopez tonight. The fact he played 33 minutes, uh, nine points, uh, only the three rebounds in this one, couple of assists, couple of blocks. He played the last eight minutes and 59 seconds of this game. And it was really fascinating to see how the Warriors, and in particular how Steph Curry tried to manipulate Brook Lopez tonight. And let's be clear, I know that there is, again, an urgency or or a sense or a need to want to criticize Brook Lopez. But, I mean, it's Steph Curry we're talking about. And I thought earlier in the game when the the Warriors jumped out to an 18-5 to lead in this one, I saw a few tweets, and a few of them were Warriors reporters, a few of them were, were Bucks fans saying the Bucks in their drop coverage. And it was really fascinating to me. I've been on this all season long, and I've been trying to, to, to point it out that it wasn't the usual drop coverage. And if you look at where Brook Lopez's positioning was on the floor early in this game, particularly on a Steph Curry three that came in the first quarter during that run, it wasn't drop coverage. I mean, Brook Lopez was up on the perimeter. And he spent a lot of the night up on the perimeter. Now, the problem with that is when he got put in pick-and-roll situations with Steph Curry, Steph was able to blow by him and get to the rim. And he's a fantastic finisher once he gets to the basket as well. But it wasn't just Brooke that he was doing that to. He was doing that to everyone. And the only only defense I would have of leaving Brooke Lopez out there, because we did see him come up with a couple of big blocks in the fourth quarter, including one that was a little controversial because it was called the goaltend by Mark Davis. But... I don't think that if you put Bobby Portis out there, he's going to fare any better. I don't think if you put Thanasis out there, he's going to fare any better. And the problem you have, you already had Dante and Pat in that closing lineup because there's no Giannis tonight. So if you put a Thanasis out there or a Bobby Portis out there, 
then I think, uh, particularly Thanasis, then I think offensively, then I don't like the mix that you have out on the floor as well with the, the limitations of what you're going to be able to create. I think Brook Lopez has proven, you know, even recently as a threat close to the basket, uh, as, a, as a threat, obviously, we know as a three-point shooter. So I don't know. I mean, there was certainly an opportunity that you could have put Bobby out there, I think. But overall, this was more of a... Uh, more of a result of the fact that you didn't have P.J. Tucker and you didn't have Giannis. I think if you have those two guys, then Brook Lopez probably isn't out on the floor to close the game. That's me just guessing. That's me based on what we've seen so far this season where as much as you want to criticize Bud, we've seen him go to smaller lineups and Pat's been the fifth guy in there with Giannis, Dante, Drew and Chris. So um, that's basically how I read that. Um, it, it's tough to look out there and, and yeah, and, and Brooke was the odd one out when you look at purely the, the players that were on the floor and the fact the Warriors went pretty small. We know they like to play Draymond Green at the five there, but in this situation, I think it was more manpower than anything else. Um, so overall, I think, again, when we look at the guys that Golden State had on the floor and you think of players like Draymond Green that was out there and Kelly Oubre, who was actually four for eight from three tonight but hasn't shot the ball well all season long, Kevon Looney when he was out on the floor, uh, Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, these guys aren't great shooters. So I, I think it was a night that, yes, you had to try and contain Steph Curry as best you could and he was just simply absurd tonight. But again, I, I don't think that the Warriors, as they're currently built, as they're currently constructed, are, is a, are a team that you have to be generally fearful about having Brook Lopez out on the floor. And same goes for James Wiseman, who, by the way, had a fantastic first half. But again, I, I think that was more to do with the brilliance of Steph Curry than it was anything else. So, yeah, perhaps a night where your Bucks could have gone small uh, down the stretch. There's no doubt about that. But ultimately, I don't think that that was a, a major contributing factor to why the Bucks lost the game. In fact, we're going to talk uh, about a few more of potential reasons that why the Bucks might feel some frustration after this one, including the officiating. But before we get to that, we do have to talk about the Mikulov Ultra Player of the Week. Uh, now, we know uh, with Mikulov Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And I tell you, regardless of tonight's results, the Bucks going down 122-121 to the Warriors, I think that Drew Holiday has probably had a pretty good week. Signs a 140-ish million dollar deal extension to stay with Milwaukee. Picks up the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. And I'm sorry, if you're winning the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, then there's a fair chance you're also going to win the more prestigious award, which is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week on Locked On Bucks. So Drew Holiday, shout out to you because you have had a terrific week and you are the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Remember, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Drew Holiday, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, well, we should just address the officiating here. Um, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Mark Davis is not a favorite of Bucks fans. Um, this is a longstanding feud, I would say. And I would also say that I, I don't think in general that Mark Davis would be the most popular official with all fan bases. He always seems to be wound up in some sort of controversy. But there was a number of calls in this one that were uh, questionable 
to say the least. Uh, the first one came on a, on a I, I don't know how else to describe it, but a complete phantom call on Drew Holiday, offensive foul. Uh, he had Kent Bazemore out in the right corner, dribbled past him, clean, didn't even lift his hand, didn't hook him. Nothing happened. There was nothing at all. He just cleanly drove past him, laid it in calmly. I think he thought he was probably about to get an N1, uh, but no, he was called for an offensive foul, which, you know, when we talk about the eight turnovers for Drew Holiday, one of them was that offensive foul. So a uh, little bit, little bit tough call for him there, but it was a, a, a terrible decision. Down the other end of the floor, Thanasis gets called for a three on Steph Curry, which the broadcast actually only showed one, but it was one of those ones that, for everyone watching the game, everyone can see, and everyone and players right across the league do this. So this isn't a criticism of Steph Curry right in this moment, because the reality is they continue to be rewarded for it. But everyone watching the game can see that it's not a usual shooting motion. Steph Curry, I don't know what he did. He like thrusted to the side, trying to draw any type of contact that he could. Maybe, maybe Thanasis brushed past his jersey or his shorts. I'm not 100% sure. It didn't look clear to me. Either way, the one thing that is for absolute certain is that Thanasis and the way that he closed out and the way that he defended the Steph Curry shot had absolutely zero impact on the shot. It didn't change the shot. The only way, perhaps the only reason that Steph Curry missed the shot is because his shooting form was so ridiculous because he was trying to draw the foul. So I thought it was pretty decent defense from Tenassus. It shouldn't have been called uh, the foul. And Steph went to the line for three free throws there. He made two of those. And then the one later on in the game was the Brook Lopez block where, uh, well, the goaltend, it was called by Mark Davis, which, you know, live, it looked like a clean block. On replay, it looked like a clean block. And they did overturn it. Um, but the problem with that is with the Bucks having the ball in transition and Chris Middleton rolling, you know, by, by creating the stoppage, you force a half-court possession. Now, you know, perhaps if you're taking the bigger picture, you look back at this and you say, well, maybe it's good for the Bucks to get these half-court situations. Now, it didn't end well, but perhaps it's better for them in the long run. But certainly for this game, it felt like that penalized the Bucks. Now, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, or not a lot of people, but I saw a few people on Twitter suggesting that it was the right call by Mark Davis to call goaltend because then you have an opportunity to review the play and the fact that he actually made the call late allowed the Bucks to have possession like if he had just blown the whistle before the Bucks had regained possession and it probably would have been a jump ball which would have penalized the Bucks even further so there is a way that you can look at this and say well Mark Davis technically made the right call and he also waited until it was going to benefit Milwaukee and they were going to get possession so that you know if you're looking to cut him any slack that is why you would do it but again you have to ask yourself the question did that impact the Bucks' ability to score in transition on that play with Chris Middleton having the ball around half court I mean you have to say yes that's 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 the answer you have to come up with again for me when I look at this game Oh, and you can be frustrated about the officiating and those calls were ridiculous. There's no doubt about that. But regardless, if you're Milwaukee and you are who you think you are, then you should win this game anyway. So I, I do you know, kind of just struggle in general uh, to be able to, uh, to come up with a, a you know, blame or cause for this loss for one particular official. But uh, just some bizarre, some bizarre calls. And Drew Holiday... I mean, we've seen on that play, I mean, he's just so strong and his ability to get to the basket and finish at a high percentage uh, was probably the reason why the whistle was blown, even though there was absolutely nothing in it. And I already mentioned Drew Holiday, but 
I, I do, you have to give him a significant amount of credit here for what he's done, obviously, over the last few weeks, scoring well over 20 points per game. But the thing that has surprised me all season long has been his three-point shooting. He's up above 39% at the moment. So if the season ended today, this would be a career-best shooting percentage from three across the course of a season for Drew Holiday. Um, despite the fact, obviously, we'll, we'll see how many games he ends up playing. He's already missed uh, 10 this year, as we know. He missed 10 straight after contracting the, the coronavirus there. But he's just shooting the ball at a high clip. And he missed a couple down the stretch here, but he had that period where he knocked two in a row in in the fourth quarter. And his ability to shoot off the dribble is perhaps the thing that just continues to stand out to me. He's getting up five attempts per game, so the volume is great. And he's knocking them down. Hopefully, uh, this is a percentage that's going to continue to stay up. But again, Bucks didn't win the game tonight. Defensively, they weren't able to do anything about Steph Curry. That's ultimately the story here. But Drew Holiday offensively, to me, uh, continues to be a guy that, uh, that I'm loving watching. And he keeps on showing us new stuff that we see every time he's out there. So Drew Holiday, uh, love him again to tidy up those turnovers. But offensively, in terms of his shot creation and shot making, um, very, very impressive out on the floor again tonight. I want to talk about Jeff Teague a little bit and then also Giannis as well uh, because you know the Giannis stuff is at least a little bit concerning at this point, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Before I do that, I want to talk about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering a little bit with the fact that Built Bar madness is now over. It's very disappointing for me. I was having a hell of a lot of fun following that bracket. But Built Bar, still with the 18 amazing flavors, 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy for you, as you guys know, with low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are the perfect snack, whether you are just trying to get through the workday or, you know, like me, hopefully at the end of this podcast, going to go out and do some exercise, then have a Built Bar before it, and you will absolutely love it. You know we've got a great deal. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And while you're treating yourself to that lovely Built Bar snack, go to BetOnline.ag because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's done, but basketball is in full swing, as is baseball. As is NHL, by the way, baseball, my goodness, my Oakland Athletics are 0-6 now. Are they going to win a game? Are they going to win? I don't know. I, I can't watch them at the moment. It's pathetic. But Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, again, a relatively frustrating night tonight if you're a Bucks fan, but a positive and potentially a meaningful positive moving forward was the play of Jeff Teague off the bench. 15 points in 15 minutes, 5 for 7 from the field, 2 for 2 from 3. 
He had three assists as well, including a beautiful, absolutely beautiful bounce pass to Bobby Portis. I actually, as he made this this bounce pass from the left wing to Bobby Portis cut into the basket, I it took me a second to figure out who made the play. But when I realized it was Jeff T, probably the biggest thing for me that I thought of is just the fact that it's nice, again, to have a backup point guard on the roster. Now, I, I saw a few people mentioning this on Twitter, and it wasn't Dante DiVincenzo's best night. There's no doubt. Six points, two for eight from the field, two for six from three. He did have five assists, but Jeff Teague's control with the ball, his ability to penetrate, make the easy pass, or use that little floater game. He certainly got better touch around the basket than Dante DiVincenzo at this point in his career. Yeah, I, I wonder whether they could have put Jeff Teague in the lineup down the stretch just for another playmaker, another guy that can make uh, the, the easy pass. And, de- and that's the one thing I would say about Jeff Teague so far that has been a pleasant surprise for me. Um, for those that listen, we had John Corrales from Locked On Celtics on the show last week, and he kind of pointed to the fact that perhaps playing with more playmakers, perhaps playing on a more talented roster, Jeff Teague will be able to have the impact that he wasn't able to have in Boston. And I think it's important to note that when he was with the Celtics, he was asked to do a lot more. We know Kemba Walker was out for a significant period and he was the starting point guard there. But also the Celtics are just an ISO-heavy team. Give the ball to Jalen Brown, give the ball to Jason Tatum, and you're not getting it back. (laughs) <laughs> they're not making a pass. They're going ISO, dribble, 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 and they're shooting a jump shot or they're going to try and force their way to the basket. We got a chance to speak to Jeff Teague post-game tonight, and that was one of the things that he noted straight away. He said that playing in this Bucks offense is, is super easy because regardless of whether it's Holiday on the floor or it's Chris Middleton or Giannis when he's back, Dante, Bobby, he knows that they're going to make the pass. So he doesn't have to worry about getting his touches or getting shots. He just plays within the flow and he knows that the ball is going to find him. And he certainly did that tonight. He was able to, like, like I said, show that niftiness that we've seen that, made, that reminded me of Atlanta Hawks, Jeff Teague, to be, to be totally honest. He still had that ability. He doesn't look like he's lost a step there. And then shooting well over 40% from three on the season, we saw also that he can be a catch-and-shoot guy. And again, post-game, Teague pointed to that. He said, listen, over the last two years, whether it was with Minnesota, whether it was with Boston, he said, I've been put in more situations where I'm used as a catch-and-shoot guy, which hasn't always been the case for his career. So he said that he's become really comfortable in that role, spotting up and knocking down open threes, which I think it's fair to say that if the Bucs can get healthy and get all their guys back, he's going to see those opportunities. So for him to knock down uh, both of his attempts from the outside tonight was certainly a positive. Again, we're talking about a guy that his role isn't going to be huge, but if he can get you or have these types of nights, 15 points, um, you know, you're going to love it. And I think I looked this up when the Bucs signed him. It was, I, I think he'd had three or four occasions where he scored 15 plus points this season. We know two of those came against the Bucs, ironically enough. But the fact that he's done this here now in just his second or third game with the team, I think it's a nice sign. I think, like I said, without going overboard, without overreacting, he looks like a solid backup point guard. And, and I think that's all you can ask for, considering the fact that the Bucks literally didn't have one there at all before they signed Jeff Teague. So that was the positive for the night for mine. The fact that Teague is looking like Jeff Teague from a couple of years ago, um, I think is significant uh, for Milwaukee. Uh, on the injury front, 
no PJ Tucker again tonight. Uh, you know, only one game left on this road trip. The Bucks four and uh, sorry, three and two on this road trip. The one game left against Dallas. At this point, it doesn't seem like PJ Tucker is going to play, but we have seen some photos just on the social media. If you're doing some social media sleuthing, he's out. He's shooting around. He's moving okay. Again, the Bucks aren't going to take any risks with PJ Tucker because we are in a danger zone now where if he nicked his calf again, then you're really looking at he's not returning until the postseason. And at that point, are you going to get anything out of him at all? So if you have to give him another week, if he has to miss another four or five games, then I think that makes a little bit more sense and, and just ensuring that you do not do not mess with his health because, again, um, he's going to be an important guy. But as far as Giannis goes, it's really interesting. Similar scenes in the pregame tonight against Golden State that we saw against Portland a couple of nights ago where Giannis just looks like he's sore in the warm-up. Now, we don't... I mean, without having full disclosure of what the injury is or what's causing him pain, it's not a huge surprise that with this type of injury in terms of what was originally diagnosed as a sprain, but clearly some general soreness that is hanging around there, it doesn't seem like the type of injury that is going to get worse because we've seen him practicing. We've seen vision of him practicing. We obviously saw him play against Portland and score 47 points, mind you, after in the warm-up, looking like he was a little bit sore. So the concern, you know, again, without knowing the, the 100% details, the concern appears to be more of a management situation with Giannis in terms of the soreness. So could he have played tonight? I have no doubt. He probably could have, and he more than likely would have been fine. I mean, the evidence we have from the Portland game three days ago suggests that that would have been the case. But for the Bucks again... As much as we talked at, right at the top of this show about really wanting to push for that one seed, you do, but not at any cost. And so I think at this point, if Giannis is feeling that in the warm-up, and it could quite generally just be a, a warming-up thing because we didn't really notice that wincing and that pain and the lack of explosion in that game against Portland, but he looked pretty sore in the warm-up. So it could be a case of, well, he needs to get loose. He needs to get warm. It Maybe it, it causes, causes him some issues during the morning. Maybe it causes him some issues as he's trying to loosen up and get free. But at this point, when you see him reacting like that, you, you probably ask yourself, and this is probably what they ask themselves, is it worth playing him right now? Or do we give him another few days here and see if this will start to settle down? But more than likely... This is probably going to be something that he's going to deal with through the playoffs, and, and that sucks, and that's a little bit scary. But if you're looking for the silver lining or the positive out of this, I don't think that we've seen, from, from what we've seen from him being able to play through it, that it shouldn't be something, it, it doesn't seem like, that is going to cause him to miss extended time during the playoffs, or it's going to be an injury that, that, um, that they, they have a fear that right now is going to get worse, but it's going to be something to monitor and we'll see. Back-to-back against Dallas and then Charlotte coming up here in a couple of days. So we'll see whether he gets up for the next game. But, you know, again, you're a month out from the playoffs. It's not the type, that, it's not the type of thing that you want to be seeing. But we're seeing contenders right across the league dealing with star players uh, suffering injuries, whether it was Joel Embiid with his knee, the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis, the Nets with Durant, James Harden and their hamstrings. So we'll see. I don't think we're going to be getting too much more info out of the box at this point, but it does appear to be a management thing here. So uh, that's going to do it for today, but make sure you hit me up. 
because there was a number of things to come out of this that I tried to hit on that I saw you guys having the conversation about on Twitter. So are you concerned about the Bucks' end of game plays? Are you, were you concerned tonight about Brook Lopez playing on the floor down the stretch? Do you agree with me that this was more of a manpower issue than anything else? What did you like? What did you not like? Or is this simply a game against a Warriors team that isn't that good? And it's nothing to be concerned about without Giannis in the lineup, which is where I would tend to lie on this one. But nonetheless, it's a costly loss and one that you would have liked to have in terms of the number one seed. Uh, One other note, I got this on Twitter. I believe it's a regular listener and also regular contributor to the mailbag, regular contributor to the the locker room pods that we're doing, and also someone that can verify that, that, you know, I'm... I, I try to be an athlete. I'm a runner. This, this woman saw me running in Milwaukee one time going back a years ago. So happy birthday to lockdown listener Felisa. I got that tip off on Twitter. So I hope you've had a lovely day. Unfortunately, the Bucks couldn't get a win for you there. So uh, that sucks. But other than that, I see the weather was beautiful in Milwaukee today. Hopefully you had a good time. Uh, we're going to be back uh, tomorrow. We can look ahead to the Dallas Mavericks game, which is always going to be fun. Anytime we get a chance to see Luka Doncic, uh, the Bucks haven't had a great record against the Mavericks, but they did pick up a close win earlier this season. So that is going to be something to look forward to. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter, at Kane Pittman, with any thoughts about today's show or tonight's game, anything you want us to hit on tomorrow's show, and we will do that for sure. In the meantime, stay safe. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.